Welcome to Rapid Roundup, a series where we take several games throughout the week, do many critiques on them, and let you know what we think. Throughout all of this, my name is Moriarty. And this is Brax. And this week, we'll be taking a look at Crest. Hacktag. Brutal Inventions. Escape Room VR. Later on in the week on Wednesday, we're going to take a look at Apex Construct. This might be the VR game you've been waiting for. This is incredibly cool. It's one of the best VR games I've ever played. It is a single-player game that is built from the ground up for VR. It is absolutely the best PC VR game. Then, on Friday, we're going to take a look at Ark Park. You've heard of Ark, and you've probably heard of Parks as well. This is the Ark Park. And it is bad. It is bad. It is not what you would expect, and we're going to tell you exactly why. But don't go picking it up before you see it. But for now, let's round them up. Crest, an indirect god simulator, is an indirect god simulator. I think the word indirect is very important here, so say a little more about that. You are god over a burgeoning culture of, at the beginning, two or three people who will eventually grow to take over their local territory. And you, as god, can give them commandments, which they must follow, or else they are unfaithful heretics. However, being that they are merely men, they do not understand what you're saying, and they will kind of take it how they please. <laughs> that actually sounds quite accurate. So even if you tell them these things, it kind of feels like, oh, man is too stupid to follow God's rules. Is that kind of how it's working here? Pretty much. Plus, as time goes by, they will re-understand how things have gone, and they'll understand it differently if maybe, you know, you have said something that hurts their pocketbook. Maybe they'll just kind of, you know, change the understanding a little bit. I've never really seen a God game that puts you in the position of God in that way, that makes you really feel like how God would feel looking down upon what he's created from a moral standpoint and also just a feeling of disappointment. <laughs> I think that's actually pretty hilarious. I also like the fact that they aren't shying away from using religious language in the game. It's very godlike in that way. The use of commandments and heretics and that sort of language is super neat to me. Like I've never really played a god game that was really about taking on the role of god in that way and takes it on head on full force. That's really neat. So what you have is a commandment issuement that you can do, right? You have a commandment box. And you can use three words when you issue a commandment. You can issue a subject and then an action and then a second subject. So you could say, young people hunt antelopes. Or you could say, people who are living in the savanna migrate to the desert, Right? As you do this, you, it could be whatever, feed, and there's a bunch of different words, action verbs, and there's a bunch of different subjects as well that you can put together into various different ways. In fact, I found out that you can actually tell your young people that they should consume old people, which was very interesting, but you can do that if you'd like. If you wanted to, you could tell unhappy people that they should eat all of the happy people, or you should tell the overfed people that they should attack the skinny people it's something you can do if you want to but the thing is is that when that commandment comes down anybody who is any city that is faithful will attempt to follow it as closely as they can but as your faith goes down in different cities because you haven't responded to their needs or because their particular city hasn't grown well 
they might change that. So if you were to say young people hunt antelopes and they didn't particularly follow you faithfully, they might turn that into people who are near antelopes plant berries. So in short, it seems like it's really all about keeping the faith up. And to do that, you have to pay them attention. I think that's a really cool dynamic to add to it because in these sorts of games, you need to feel like you're having to do multiple things at once. And in order for your commandments to work, you have to keep these people happy. That's very, very interesting to me. I'm also curious about how you could influence their faith outside of just making sure their population is happy. Like, can you have prophets and stuff out there or... Can you spread the faith to different non-believers and things of that nature? You work exclusively through your words, and you can set commandments that may kill heretics or something like that. What you will also see is occasionally these cities will go to war with each other or create alliances with each other, but they're still all your subjects, even still, which provides a really interesting situation where you might have to say, look, these heretics are actually the ones following my true commandments, and therefore I want them to win, but I know they're going to lose, so what do you do? And you really can't affect things that much outside of your commandments, which is okay. It's very realistic in our understanding of, of, of a religion here on Earth, so I don't think it's bad by any means, but it is definitely not a populist-style god sim where you are coming down and raining fire and brimstone from the heavens that's just not happening well i like that i like everything that i've seen about this i don't know maybe i'm a narcissist <laughs> i don't know but something about this game really makes me want to play it and i'm totally interested in it more than i've been in a game in a couple of days probably so what does this one cost it is a ten dollar game it is perfectly worth it at ten dollars i found myself spending quite a lot of time in it in fact uh, every game I played, I ended up playing for several hours. I think I have almost 10 hours in this game already. So it's a lot of fun, and it's definitely interesting. There's little problems that you're going to come up against. For example, you're going to stop caring about whether or not they're following your rules or not, and you're just going to issue new rules on top of them rather than try to clarify. And you're not really going to care if one city goes rogue. You're just going to kind of do whatever. Or if one city happens to die out, you will start to care less about your people as you get larger and have more followers. And as time goes on, they just become kind of needy. And that felt pretty realistic, too. Hacktag is a co-op stealth game that allows one player to be a secret agent and the other to be a hacker. The most important part of this game is your ability to work together because if you guys aren't communicating, then you're probably going to get caught and locked up very often. Hacktag's a really cool game. I enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. It's fun to play multiplayer. This is a game you've probably thought about yourself when you're coming up with random games, which is, I wish that I could be Snake. And I wish that someone else could be whatever the name of the chick is. <laughs> Which one, Mei Ling? I have no idea. I don't play that game. But the point is, you've had that feeling where you wished that you could be the super spy, or you wished that you could be the voice in their head. And this game allows you to do both, which I think is a really neat idea. We played it together on stream, we've played it together a few times, and I will say, for us at least, it seems like one player will develop their own preference and their own niche, and that might be the best way to do it. 
Yeah, you can play either the spy or you can play as the hacker, and you can switch between roles as you want, but you do start unlocking abilities that are better for one or the other, and you might find that you're actually pretty good at one thing or pretty bad at another thing. As with most of these co-op games, you get to pick your own personal preference, which is really good, and it makes it a lot, I don't know, more fun? I think so, too. I mean, in general, it really is just a fun game to me. I enjoyed it a lot. I do think that it's very important that you have someone to play with, like a friend. I have encountered recently, this wasn't as bad when the game first came out, but recently it's a little harder to find people to play with if you're looking for online matchmaking. But for me, that isn't a big deal because I would only want to play this with one of my buddies. It's that kind of game, so it's better to have a friend, I think. I definitely don't know that I would want to play this with somebody randomly, though that ability certainly exists. The game has a whole bunch of different types of maps that you can get into, and some of them are really hard, some of them are more difficult than you probably want them to be, which means that if you're not playing with a friend, you're not going to have a great time because you're going to get salty at somebody else's failures. That's never fun. But the game itself is fantastically fun. It's a lot of fun with a friend. I think it's a great opportunity to really kind of, I don't know, hate your friends. Hating your friends is always a lot of fun. <laughs> I know that sounds weird, but it's true. This is a $20 game, and for that price, I think it is pretty fair. Like I say, just be sure that you know you have a buddy that's going to buy it as well. And for 20 bucks, I think it's a good solid pickup that you can play quite a few times. It's awesome to stream. It's great for content as well because of the co-op nature of it. And all in all, I just enjoyed it. I think it's a really neat little game. Now, if you've been a fan of this channel for at least two years, you've probably seen that one of the things that we started this channel on was finding co-op games. That was one of the reasons why we started Crymore in, in the first place is to find cool co-op games because we liked to play co-op games together. This is a good option for that. The game has been on sale before for as little as $7.50, which is absolutely a great price to pick it up for, but I do think $20 is a fair price if you're looking for something that you and your friend can play for a couple of hours and enjoy yourself. Brutal Inventions, as you've probably been able to tell immediately, is a Rust clone, and it is a very vanilla Rust clone. It took me about, I'd say, half a second to look at the UI and see what was in front of me to immediately say, yes, definitely a Rust clone. I'm assuming it has the typical survival elements going on. You need to craft stuff, you need to beat on trees, you need to gather things. Anything here that stuck out to you in a bad way or a good way? Let's start off real quickly with the bad, which is that this is a very vanilla Rust clone, meaning that there's nothing particularly exciting in a lot of it. On top of that, most of the stuff that they do is kind of unintuitive. You can't even figure out how to build for the longest time. It took me so long to figure out how to build because it turns out that you actually have to build everything on stilts, who would have known? There's not really much to do. You start out, as you might expect, completely naked, and go out and build. That's it. That's your thing. And it's not that it's bad, because we've played a lot of these, and they're kind of relaxing, actually. Like Valnir Rock, which was a really good one. It's a Rust clone, 
but it was kind of relaxing to just go out there and chop down trees and build a fortress. This one is the same kind of thing. It's kind of relaxing, but it doesn't do anything particularly interesting. There is one thing that it does do, however, that I haven't seen in these type of games, and it may be the thing that sets it apart, but I don't think so, which is the fact that you can hire NPCs for your buildings. To build things? Like you can get them to work for you? No, as defense. Oh. So you can hire archers and soldiers and things like that. At nighttime, there are goblins and witches that come out and immediately begin attacking any cities. So as you build a city, you will need to have defense in order to protect your city. And they have called this, the developers have called this a 3D tower defense aspect. I'm not so sure that it's really tower defense, but it's there and it's a little bit different. Fair enough. I've never hired mercenaries in these sorts of games before. Is that part of the economy of the world? Like, how do you pay them? There are coins and there is an economy here. You get it by killing various bad guys. And I believe eventually you can start taxing your population. I don't know that that's true, but I have read it. The thing that maybe will make you want to pick this up is the fact that the developers seem to take every bit of constructive criticism and actually begin fixing things. When I was going through the developer forum, because quite frankly, there's no tutorial, and if you want to figure out how to do stuff, you have to look it up. They were actually responding to every single complaint and fixing things pretty quickly. So that's a nice thing. The problem is that this is a $15 game. And you think that 15 is too much, I'm thinking, right? I think that $15 is probably the right price for this game, but not right now. This is super early access and it's a Rust clone. It's got basically nobody playing it. And for that reason, I believe that the game should be discounted to hell. It should be a dollar until it leaves early access. And that's because it really needs people in it. It needs people playing it. It needs to be the type of game where you can get in and go, this isn't terrible. And tell your friends, and they'll go, oh, it's not terrible? It's not just another bad Rust clone? Okay, I'll buy it. But at $15... You're not going to see that happening. If I were to come to you and say, hey, I found a Rust clone. It's okay. It's not great. It's not bad, though. Why don't you come play with me? Oh, by the way, it's $15. What are you going to say to me, Brex? I'm going to say no. I'm not going to spend $15. We can just go play Rust or play one of these other survival games we already have, right? Exactly. So that's my problem. I think that it's an all right game. It's not bad. It's just not great. And in order to get further, it needs to be cheaper. And it needs to be a lot cheaper. And I understand that as a developer, you're going to look at that and go, Oh no, but I'm losing money. You're not, because you're not going to make any sales at $15. Cheaping it up, maybe people actually give it a try, because it's not terrible. And I feel like that's actually a good thing to be able to say about a rest clone. It's not terrible. And it has some interesting aspects. Escape Room VR Stories is a series of various escape room stories. It's really not that difficult to understand. It's a fairly interesting escape room in that it takes advantage of a lot of things that I've never seen in an escape room before, such as climbing and moving and doing a lot more activity. The puzzles are not easy by any means, 
but there are hints if you need them. When they say escape room stories, does that mean that each one of these levels is unique in its own way? Like, one of them might be like rock wall climbing, and another one might be about something different. So is it one of those VR titles that is a collection of different experiences all in one, if that makes sense? You've seen those that are kind of like demo disc before, you know what I mean? Is it like that, or...? There are a lot of different stories here. Each one you have 30 minutes to complete, and as far as I can tell, they have an overarching storyline. They all Car connect remote? in some way, Tesla. but you need to complete them all in order to figure out what that is. I know you bring up sometimes that you always like to see in VR games. You like to see them actually use it to its full potential. And normally that involves actually moving around, using your hands to do different things that involve movement. We always talk about how it's different to have a physical experience rather than a seated one or an experience Projector where things is plugged just kind in. of run at if you. Only I had uh, does this do play. good in that regard? Are the puzzles active? Does it feel like they're using the technology to the fullest potential that they could? Or is it more like some of the more disappointing escape the rooms where it's kind of just walking around and picking stuff up? No, this is very well done. And it's also very difficult, which I think is an important part of an escape the room, because part of the thing about these is once you've completed the puzzle, there's never any reason to go back. There's no reason to go in and figure out the puzzle again. So having a difficult puzzle, very difficult puzzle, is important. It's something that makes it so that you have a reason to play it for longer than the 20 minutes it takes to beat it. And this is definitely that. They've also added in some very interesting choices, such as being able to, when you're doing teleport, choose which direction you're going to look and things like that, which are more of quality of life things. And it's definitely something that will allow this to be published on multiple platforms instead of just the Vive. You could also put it on to the PlayStation VR eventually. The game itself is all right. It's not incredible by any means because again it's an escape the room but it's still very well done and I really did enjoy it. I thought it was I thought it was hard quite frankly. And I feel like that's the right You've response. Just the like you said, it is an escape the room, but I will say Let's it's one of the better escape the rooms that I think I've ever seen. How much does this game cost, though? This is a $15 game, which puts it right in line with just about every other escape the room. That being said, there are a lot of different missions to do in this game. There's a lot of different stuff that you can do, and it also positions itself really well to add additional missions to the game later on, if it happens to be somewhat successful. So I think that what we'll see is you will have the first couple of missions and then eventually they'll add more missions so that you can continue to play and they may be DLC or whatever but altogether it just means that for that $15 you're getting $5 per 30 minute mission and each 30 minute mission might take you three or four tries. So it's not so bad. I like that this game seems to be doing a lot of different stuff and that impresses me. That's something that I would always want out of VR is to see them actually use the technology in varied ways. And this seems to be doing that. So I'm definitely going to check it out. So we hit two years. We did. We did. Well, you hit two years. I hit. How long have I been around now? It's got to be more than a year at this point. But I mean, I've been following the channel the entire time. So that counts. I think you've been around for like 18 months. It's been a while. Nearly the whole two years, I would say. For the two year, we decided to do a nostalgic video came out on Saturday, which was the two-year mark, March 24th, and we did another Overwatch video. It was really fun to do that. I enjoyed it a great deal. I remember watching the old ones, and it was some of my favorite stuff. And you know, it's funny because you said 
dude, if you go back and you watch this, my audio is terrible. I was like, no, no, I don't remember it being that bad. And then I go back and I do watch the very first video and I'm like, oh, this is kind of not as good. <laughs> yeah, we um, at the time we didn't record our audio separately. We recorded it only in the video itself and we didn't have discord. We didn't use team speak and we didn't use mumble. We used the steam in game audio. I've never even, maybe I have done that a few times. Is it bad? Like, does it destroy your quality? I assume it would. I mean, you can hear it in the very first video. That is the Steam quality. It's not the best. And on top of that, for whatever reason, if you call sometimes, you'll get into a call with multiple people and they can't hear you, but you can hear one person, but that one person can't hear you. It's very bad codec, and it just doesn't work very well. So, eventually, we moved on to Mumble, and then after Mumble, Discord... And now Discord is the preferred way to do things. And of course, we, we've changed everything up. We record our audio separately, and you don't have that kind of muffled sound of somebody coming through the internet, and you don't get the ting problem anymore. So, like, all of that kind of stuff has gone away because we've improved things, upgraded stuff, and everything's different. It's a much higher quality thing now. The Overwatch video and the Overwatch videos overall <laughs> were fun. I always enjoyed them, but we started doing these reviews to kind of supplement it because, quite frankly, the Overwatch videos took a long time for us. We had never edited before. Everything on this channel is self-taught, so in order to do this, we just kind of jumped in and started doing it. Editing them took a long time. Part of that was the fact that we never separated our audio, so... Um, that made it a lot more difficult because we've got people talking over each other and all that kind of stuff going on. And we didn't even know about like actually editing out boring stuff. We thought people would want to watch everything. So it was more of a let's play of other people playing. I don't know. So we changed that up, obviously, and, and we started doing the reviews, and here we are. It's been two years. I think we've all improved a lot over these past two years as individual creators, and then I think, like, you know, you've learned so much as an individual. I've learned so much as an individual just from editing, right? And like you said, we've taught ourselves all of this stuff, and the hours and hours spent in whatever software, you know, clipping stuff, uh, editing audio cutting the boring parts out and learning that you need to separate your game audio from your actual chat all of that stuff is very important and you just said it's like a let's play with other people playing man i remember when i used to do let's plays <laughs> you know like it has been a very very productive journey these past couple of years and when you look at it Two years is not very long in the grand scheme of things. It's not a very long time. And when I consider how much better that I think we've gotten in those two years, it, it makes me happy. I think it's very encouraging. And hopefully other people feel the same way. Hopefully they think we've improved as well. I mean, fingers crossed. I think I've improved at least. I don't know that I'm at the point where I think that we are incredible channel. I don't think that we're trending channel. I don't think I'm not surprised when people are going, yeah, you're all right. I would give us a six out of ten. But we used to be a 2 out of 10, so I feel like that's a good improvement. I'm not going to take this too long, because there's not really a whole lot to talk about. And we will actually have a lot more to talk about next week. And we'll talk about that 
then. No spoilers, no spoilers. For now, we're just going to go ahead and wrap this up and say thank you very much for being here for two years. If you have been, thank you very much for joining us if you haven't been. This has been Moriarty, and that's been Brax. I can say goodbye myself. Thank you very much. This has been Brax. If you like this video, go ahead and give it a like and share it. And if you don't, then don't do either of those. But if you did, you can watch another video up there in the corner. And as always, we'll see you guys on the next one.